Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Bread podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Joe Rimmett. And joining me today is Theo Squires. How are you? All right, we're doing a solo recently. Yeah, you are. You're the international break king. Oh, we, yeah. to, we bring you in for every international break pod. And uh, Kiefer, I feel like I haven't seen you for a while. I know, yeah. I felt like I was in Theo's shoes. I did a bit of lock kind of for the summer and then maybe been out on load a bit. Yeah. A lot of things <laughs> and, and now I'm back. You okay, yeah? Yeah, very well. Well, in terms of today, I haven't got too much written down on my pad to, to talk about. Um, one listener, Paul Flanagan, thank you for the message, wanted an in-depth discussion on the midfield. So we, we'll pick that up in the pod. I think um, I think it's the main discussion for Liverpool this season anyway, isn't it? But before that, um, because we recorded early on Friday, of course, Theo, you were there. Um, we recorded before all the financial fair play um, or profit and sustainability, if we're, if we're being absolutely correct. Um, results with Everton, um, obviously a 10-point deduction, um, which I think stunned us all, really. Um, even even the guys covering Everton, I don't think expected such a big points deduction. I don't think the club themselves expected such a big points deduction. Um, when it happened... Um, just to give listeners some context, Everton, I think, knew there was going to be a sporting sanction, but didn't know that the severity of it um, and that when 10 points dropped, um, I think there was a lot of shock and anger from the end. It's a Premier League record, isn't it? Like, yeah, only three yeah, teams have been yeah. dubbed. Yeah, but Portsmouth, I think, was the close one at nine points yeah. in 2000. That's automatic, isn't it, for administration? Yeah, for administration, yeah. So, um, it was quite a stunning turning events, really, but obviously throughout the weekend, and, and to be honest, the, the, the top stories that people are reading on our website are all about FFP at the moment, are all about the the possible sanctions that could happen for Man City and Chelsea, who also, um, well, one, one club's in charge, the other club's being investigated. So it's um, it's thrown up some interesting questions, so I thought it would be worth a discussion. Um, Theo, um, Let's start with just both of you. What are your initial thoughts on 10 points? Did you think it was harsh? Did you think it was just? What, what did you think? I thought it was a, a little bit harsh. Like, from my understanding, Everton have been very open with the, the Premier League or the Commission during this whole process. And, well, but they have broken the rules. It they've was, admitted that as They've well. admitted yeah. that as well. It's not as though it's City where we've done nothing wrong when there's 115 charges against the name. And let's, let's put this out. City's 115 charges. Everton is one charge. Yeah, yeah. So... I, you wouldn't be surprised if they appeal it. It gets reduced, but it kind of feels like they wanted to make a statement out of Everton. Like if they'd come to a resolution about this last year, ten points relegates Everton. The year they were investigating two years ago, ten points relegates Everton. This year, they, they stay up anyway. The three teams who are so. in the relegation aren't with them are that much weaker. It's not going to make that much of a difference. But they've been able to make that big statement. And then it makes cities and the Chelsea's go, hang on, what's yeah. going to happen to us? Yeah, it, It's a bit harsh. We'll see what happens with the appeal. You would expect it to potentially get reduced, but it, it's unprecedented times. The fact that they have come out and made this strong, yeah. right, this is what's going to happen, it, you do wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah, I mean, that, that's my thinking, Kiefer, is that maybe they've been hit with 10 points with something in the back of the commission's mind in the sense that they'll appeal it, that'll probably get dropped down to me, maybe five or six. Um, but what did you initially make of it? Were you shocked? Were you, were you, um, did you think it was just? Yeah, I mean, as kind of say as what Theo says, I mean, it was shocked and as he says, the Premier League record. But I think we all kind of knew that Everton were being made, you know, a case of because not only has it, has it gone on and we've got City coming up, you know, these kind of charges that they've had over the last, you know, 10 years or so, but Obviously, just this talk in the background of a, a football regulator coming. So I think everyone knew that the Premier League had to go big and go hard to, you know, kind of say, look, you know, we can keep our own house in order. And, and, you know, they had to, you know, make a big statement. But the irony is in, in doing that, I think the whole football world is, 
realise it's a pretty disproportionate, um, uh, you know, punishment for Everton. And in that, people have now thought, well, you know, the Premier League clearly can't regulate their own game. You know, they handed out ten points for this one. They've we've got the City case, and I think it does open up, you know, a, a nasty kind of worms in the sense of you, you've now got the, you know, what could happen with the teams who were relegated in the, in the previous two seasons, and and kind of you know, do they go and sue? And I mean, that just opens, as I say, a, 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 you know, an entire different kind of words, which you know could have huge ramifications on Everton as a future. You know, especially with you know talk of takeovers and and that kind of hanging by the balance. But then, as Theo said, you've got the, the city stuff, and you know, I'm not going to pretend I'm a, a legal expert. I don't think anyone is on on this Manchester City no. case. And, you know, just more questions than answers at the minute. You know, I think everyone knows there's 115 charges, all of you know, of varying kind of levels of in, in you know, they're not all FFP. I think that should be pointed out. You know, I think one of them is related to the length of the pitch. I think that breached Premier League rules one year, so you know, they're not all as, as severe as FFP. But I think there's just the nature that there are 115. It really does spell out what could happen for City. I mean. You know, do, do they get relegated to Division Two? You know, do they get relegated from the what? What happens to them? And I think, what do you mean when Division Two? Do you say Championship? Are you going League? Oh, League yeah. Two. That's what I mean. <laughs> they get relegated to League Two. They go to the National League. Like that would be, you know, if, if you if you're doing it on kind of a like for like scale. But obviously, that can't happen. You know, <laughs> Manchester City is one of the the Premier League's best products. So, you know, the Premier League is going to be weaker. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it, in, even if you look at the wider scale of like negotiating new TV deals, if you haven't got Manchester City in the league, you know, that weakens their hand. So it's, it is a really interesting case because I think Everton are, are a big enough club to make an example of, but they're not important enough in the Premier League at the minute, you know, in, yeah. in terms of fine at the top end, you know, that they, they've narrowly avoided relegation. I think, you know, you speak to many Evertonians and they probably feel like it, you know, it's like the Grim Reaper, it's kind of creeping up on them. You know, they survive one year, survive the next, and then, you know, is it, is it, it's like pulling a plaster off. Do you just get it over and done with and do a complete reset? But so maybe the Premier League have looked at that and thought, look, they're probably going to go down sooner rather than later. But it's a grim, as, it's a grim outlook for Everton. I, I think as well, like you said, my kind of initial thing was had they done 10 because on appeal it goes down to five and that kind of feels, you know, like a fair punishment maybe. You know, if they did six and it goes on appeal down to three, it's not like a huge, Yeah, it's, it's not a huge, a huge yeah, exactly. I mean, 10 is, is huge, but... Yeah, I mean, no one really knows what the next step is. As I say, you know, with with, with other clubs threatening to sue and stuff, they've got twenty eight days to, to file a, a complaint on that. Yeah. You know, I'm sure the letters were already drafted up, you know, yeah. long long ago. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. But I suppose from a Liverpool point of view, it kind of answers the question of you know what happens with City and and kind of then the Liverpool have grounds to sue if, if City were to be you know found in, in breach. This is what I find really interesting about yeah. the compensation. So all the relegated teams, they could potentially sue, get big financial uh, compensation as a result. But that's just what you get for being relegated. If City are found guilty, Chelsea are found guilty, you've not only got the trophies they've won in this period, you've also got who's finished in the Champions League, who's finished in the Europa League, and we know how much you can get from a good run in the Champions League. It's just so much wider. Like trophies from the, the five-year period, or whatever period it is, looking at City, we know it's before Liverpool were proper title challenges, but they've still lost a title, a League Cup. There's, I think, one year potentially where they would have been in the Champions League. But for Everton, there are two seasons where Everton would have been in the Champions League if both those clubs, City and Chelsea, had the points penalties. So if, say, Everton are in the Champions League, then they've got better place financially. They don't go on this decline in recent years. And they're not in this situation in the first place. It all stems back from City. And it's like, well, if they get eligible for compensation here, do they then use that to pay off whatever teams, if they're the ones who have to pay out the compensation over, it's just a massive mess. But that, that, that's the interesting thing, is because I, I think 
I've seen a lot of you know a lot of discussion around Everton and and the the charges sort of before they went into these relegation battles. Um, you know the the charges I think finish in twenty twenty one, don't they? So the the end of that year, um, and then you know that was the Rafa Benitez era when he gets sacked. They then battle relegation under Lampard, survive, and then battle relegation again, survive. But I think if you were one of those clubs that 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 fell out the league in that time, you would you would argue, well. You know, a lot of the players signed and a lot of the things put in place kept you in the league before in that period. And it's the same with City. You know, I, I think although the charges are before they really fought Liverpool for the title, they put themselves on a footing where they could fight for mm-hmm. the title, where they could get Pep Guardiola, where they could challenge for all these different trophies. They brought in players then that gave them the basis, the David Silvers, the Sergio Agueros, all, all these types of players. You know that that gave them the basis of this title winning. I think it goes back to the first FA Cup win against Stoke. Yeah, and yeah. If they don't win that FA Cup, you know they probably don't win the league. You know, one or two years yeah. later, they don't sign a players. They sign in, in that interim, like you say, your Aguero's, your Silvers, you know, and all that. But I think the thing with the City one is it is going to drag out and drag out. I mean, yeah, you know, well, pe- well, you know, people think the seven cases dragged for eighteen months. I think it was like April twenty twenty two when, yeah. you know, kind of it was all first kind of uncovered. But this one is going. They were in charge, weren't they? In the in the summer, weren't they? Think the charge was they started. Yes, yeah, I mean it was the back yeah. end of the, the yeah. fir- their first relegation kind of mm-hmm. campaign. Yeah, um, but I mean with the city one, just because of the magnitude of the charges, you know, the hundred and fifty, yeah. hundred fourteen more. Sorry, so it is you know it's not something that I think that's what people need to be aware of. It's not that the fact that Premier League are trying to hush it up and get no. the city off the hook. There is that much more yeah. to investigate yeah. for the commission. But but I think if if you're a Liverpool and if you're an FSG especially, yeah. you'd be looking at City and saying whether the, the charges relate from a time period when we missed out on, by a point or, or not, they'd be thinking, well, we bought Liverpool in, in 20, God, 2010 mm-hmm. um, and we've followed the rules and we, we our whole business plan was, was based on FFP, around yeah. FFP and, and making the club, building the club up commercially so that it pays for itself, not spending beyond our means. And even when there's been a lot of pressure on them for fans to buy players, they've not done that. And, and, you know, I think that's why all the, you know the other clubs that are that are thinking of serving Everton, those clubs are understandably angry because they've tried a lesser one who, to be fair, had their own charges when they're in the championship, but since since then got their houses in order and are claiming we live we live with our means, had to sell players, and then got relegated on the back of that. Other clubs haven't done that, so I think Liverpool will be quite rightly watching this with interest especially FSG I'd love to know um, what FSG think behind closed doors because it was what, a little over a year ago there was talk of them selling the club looking yeah. for buyers and then City get what was it charged in or it gets announced in February yeah. and since then it's like oh actually they're staying around they're only wanting this minor investment which they've got a couple of months ago they seem a lot more secure at the club now Klopp's a lot happier and it mm. seems to be taking a step in, back in the right direction so I think maybe behind closed doors they've looked at what's happening at City and going something big's happening here and it's going to turn back in our favour. I do. I, I don't, you know, I, I'll never be convinced of what, I mean, to be fair, I was. I never thought they would they would hit Everton with a 10-point charge. I always thought it would be suspended or something along those lines. There would be a transfer embargo. Yeah, that a transfer kind embargo. Of covers both bases on yeah, field and on field, yeah, but not directly. Yeah. But, but for, I was stunned when they, they, they came through with 10 points and it does make you think, you know, like you've just said, Kiefer, it makes you, what what could they do to City? I mean, as you want to tweet saying Everton was one charge, City was 100 and 
fifteen. So our city going to be docked one thousand one hundred and fifty <laughs> points. But it, but it, you know, it does make you think. What can they do to City that is enough? Yeah. Now they've done ten points to Everton. Well, nothing's going to be appropriated directly, yeah, is yeah, it? Unless exactly. they, you would literally have to be kicked out of the, the, the you know, the, the entire professional yeah, football yeah. league, wouldn't they? But it, I mean, it won't make up for teams like Liverpool who have missed out on titles by a point. You know, it'll never make up for for those. So, so really, for Liverpool, no punishment is enough. Um, but let's face it, you know, City first have got to be found guilty. They've only been charged. Chelsea are only being investigated. They've got to be charged and found guilty. So there's a lot of it's a lot, lot of ifs and buts. But what I do wonder with this ten point thing with Everton, whether it it could send a warning sign to the rest of the Premier League to get your houses in order and start acting a bit more responsibly. And, and at least with Liverpool, we know that they've done that um, throughout FSG's time at the club. If you look like you're... I was just, I was just about to <laughs> nip in and, and kind of say what, exactly what you said. Like, you know, it sends a message to the rest of the Premier League and at a time when you've got, you know, essentially Saudi Arabia taking over Newcastle what, 18 months yeah. ago and you look at the money they're throwing yeah. around and, you know, this is only, I'd say, 18 months into their, their kind of tenure. Even if, you know, this... Nothing's going to... Because, you know, there's been loads of stuff people saying, you know, they get stripped of titles. That won't, you know, football's an emotional game, right? Yeah. And you live in the moment. So yeah. for me, personally, I would get no joy out of City being stripped of those titles. It's, it's been and gone. Oh, really? I'd, I'd parade. No, but you know, like, if they... Alisa Soko would be out with the Premier League title. I just don't... No, no, it, no. You live it in the moment, don't yeah. you? And, it, and it's gone, you move on to the next yeah. one. And, and I think that's part of being part of the Liverpool story, that, that you know, yeah. especially under the Jurgen Klopp, they have been able to kind of go, you know, blow for blow with it, you know, like Manchester City with all the resources they have. And I think that's made the, the Champions League successes sweeter, the Premier League successes yeah. all that sweeter. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, maybe looking at Newcastle, who will, you know, you, you look at the sheer deals they're doing and, and all that, and the, they're kind of following that City blueprint of inflating deals, inflating their finances to, to kind of, you know, get get those loopholes and transfer loopholes. Allegedly. Yeah, well, <laughs> but, but with that, it, you know, if, if, if they aren't going to go hard on City, at least, you know, it's the teams like Newcastle and, and, you know, I'm sure there'll be, you know, other states looking to, to invest in the Premier League in the near future. It does send that powerful message. I do see it both ways on these historical titles because... Say Liverpool hadn't had this great period under Jurgen Klopp and 13-14 remained the, the closest they've got to winning the Premier League. If you found out the City have cheated and that's the reason you've not got it, this City would be furious. Yeah. It's only because they've been cheating and Liverpool have still won prizes that it's not as bitter yeah. to swallow. The flip side is that if that was the, if that was the closest they'd got for 10 years, you wouldn't want that to be first title in whatever it would have been the one they won like oh we wouldn't you won you won to be behind closed doors because apparently to be fair with that one they could they they, 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 if they hadn't played another game they still would have won the league do you know what I mean that title was all done wasn't it It, it's a stranger one like as you say football moves on you look forward but we've seen examples in the past like you think of Italy when they had a big match fixing scandal Juventus got relegated I think they had a 30 point penalty and but the bottom of Serie B that title was it like in and they still came back up yeah. but the team that finished second I think given those titles into Milan and then when they were third and AC Milan was second because they were docked as well I don't think that title was reassigned yeah. but it's like how much does that mean like when you have those reassigned titles like, it would be on Liverpool's notebook that they've won it once more if City get investigated further you could win it a couple more times but that's not going to be one you, you really look to that, that time's gone you look to what they've actually achieved and what they could achieve there is a, a line wasn't there from the commission that when you've got such rich owners there's no point finding them it makes no difference yeah. whatsoever oh, yeah. so it has to be a sporting sanction and if you're going forward whatever you do to City it will hinder them in the Premier League it will hinder them in qualifying for the Champions League and maybe that's when Liverpool can pounce but it is unprecedented times and it's just interesting when you look at how 
Everton have been very open throughout the process and say, yeah, we've done to, this. To fair, they have Chelsea done, have as well. The, the commission did say that they have been less than frank. So there's, there's, there's elements they've been open with and, and other elements that perhaps they've not been so But look, Chelsea, theirs is from a previous ownership. So the new owners have spotted something in the books. They are the ones who have gone and said, yeah, this has happened. Yeah. And you let you investigate it. They've all been open in this. Whereas Man said, yeah, they're still saying, we have done absolutely nothing wrong. If they had one charge against them and you've done nothing wrong, you can sort of make that claim. But when it's 150, you're not going to stick, aren't they? They're not yeah. all going to be. But, but what, what's fascinating about this is that the commission, City can't do what they did to UEFA and basically take this to a, to a high court. And they, they, they can't yeah. do any of that. They have one chance to appeal at that Everton are doing so. Um, and they appeal back to another independent commission. Um, that has to be seen before the end of this year. And if they don't keep, if that appeal is, is rejected, that's it. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, I think this will be interesting, and maybe City will find different legal loopholes that they can exploit. Better lawyers, well, but but it it will be interesting that if they are hit with big charges, they can't just tie this up in litigation for years to come. I mean, they're the UEFA, they? I mean, they've got yeah. a two year ban and ended up with yeah. a hefty fine, and yeah. they, they win the Champions League what two three years yeah. later. So yeah, exactly, it just yeah. means nothing. Um, but first of all, I would say that you two are far too nice. I'd be straight down to the Anfield Trophy wall. With yeah. The titles. Yeah, of course, of course. I would, I would, I'd have the only, so the only person who strikes me someone who do that is Jose Enrique. No, that, that is, got, <laughs> he Jose did the advert yeah, 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 yeah. the other day. I mean, why not? I'd, I'd, I'd He'd be still on his Wikipedia changing it when he is on his one. I'd be hiring the, the, the nearest. Well, Steven Gerrard would have his, his for medal, wouldn't he? So that'd be I something. Just, I just think it's hollow. It, it, is just, it just was yeah. really hollow and just like. But, but 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 is it more hollow than than cheating to win? It's um, you know if you, I mean if you think football is a pure game then you, you're probably you know no I'm, I'm only half joking but I do think I essentially think that yeah like what is worse celebrating titles that you didn't win on the pitch or celebrating titles that that you that you. Oh, no, I'd, I'd have them be stripped off City, but I just guilty. don't. I just hate them to be reassigned. No. I just think that element of it just. I wouldn't really hate them to be reassigned. Like maybe you do need it for the record books, but I wouldn't be like wildly celebrating. It's basically like <laughs> it's like the line in <laughs> Damned United, isn't it? You know that the yeah. Brian Clough thing. The first thing you can do for me is take all your trophies, all your cups, all your pots, and all your pans, and put them in the biggest <laughs> dustbin you can find. Right. You've won them all by cheating. Mark, can we clip that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very awful impression. But you know, impression. Yeah, it's just quoting. Yeah, but you did it in an accent, so oh, yeah. that's just my accent, isn't it? It, it, it is. <laughs> it is really interesting. I think you're both right. It, it, you know, as much as we can joke about reassigned titles and 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 open top bus tours, which I would definitely be on. Um, I think it's more what, what it means for the future. Yeah. And, and Saudi Arabia and, and Newcastle is an interesting case because I think they've been a lot more careful than, yeah. than you've seen other clubs with state owners or big benefactors come in. And, and they, you know, the, let's face it, they, they need players, don't they, at the moment? Mm. Newcastle, they've got an injury crisis, but whether they can sign them. And I think they're, they're trying to look at different ways around the rules to, to sign players at the moment. But certainly in the summer, they didn't really go crazy, did they? Right. You know, they, they still sign big players, but they didn't, spend like we've seen City, Chelsea I mean Chelsea at the moment we've seen others spend um, and I thought that was interesting and it does feel like they're going to have to work a lot harder to get them to a place where they can spend money I think though with FFP I, I don't know if it will come off the back of this but I do think it does need a restructuring in some sense because you know from a, from a City point of view obviously they can as we've seen they can find loopholes and, and other teams will continue to do that but then I do think on the flip side is not in Newcastle, but if you're a side similar to Newcastle, I do think it, it prevents it, it. Well, it allows a close shop of those kind of you know top six, top seven European places. So I do think from that element, 
Um, I don't know how they'll do it. And to be honest, I don't really think anyone knows what FFP is at the minute or the parameters of it. Yeah. Obviously, you've got all the legal and technical terms of it, but I mean, you know, it applies to one club, but seemingly doesn't apply to, to the other. The fact that it's taken, what, 13, 14 years of City's ownership for them to finally kind of be slapped on the wrist, that kind of just says everything you need to know about it. Yeah, but I don't think we can complain about clubs being slapped on the wrist if, if the Premier League are trying. And I think, to be fair to UEFA, they did try and hand out a big punishment. Like you said, they got that ban. And obviously, they got, I mean, it, I find it very bizarre that UEFA tried to do them for time, their own time barred rules uh, you know but I, I would have thought that they would know that they couldn't do that but, but even with the, the city one initially it came from <coughs> it came from leaks in germany didn't yeah, it yeah it did. so like the fact yeah. that like the, the it was staying in the premier league and the feeling yeah i could have told you that yeah yeah i, I mean you know just some of the things that they, they you know city one one there i mean the, the, the books came out last week didn't they and it was the record revenue was it 700 and something it's million? bizarre isn't it and it's just and it, that's been kind of steadily growing for years and i know they've just won the treble and stuff but I mean, the fact that they've eclipsed United and, and you know, significantly eclipsed Liverpool, the two probably biggest football clubs, you know, two of the uh, biggest in the world. And they've done that in, you know, 14 years of kind of building this, you know, fan. I know they've found before, but a global fan base, it, no, is, no. it just all stinks. No, they don't sell out the stadium. They don't do this no. and that. Like, there's still nowhere near as much interest in them as there is in a, a And they will, they will get that legacy from the treble in, you know, in 10, 15 years' time. But... For the meantime, you know, it's just bizarre the numbers they're putting up and that no one's really been able to, to challenge it properly. Yeah. Well, it's certainly going to be very interesting going forward. And I think as Liverpool supporters and, and, and anyone associated with the club, they'd be keeping a close eye on it. Uh, we'll move on then to talk about the midfield. Um, thanks again, Paul, for, for, for sending me a message. And if you do want to want us to talk about something on the pod send us a DM or, or a your tweet. DM's open uh, no they're not well I found a call so no, send me a tweet um, it's a close shot or if you nice, <laughs> might follow you back but, but yeah I mean or, or send us an email um, joe.rimmer at reachplc.com I, I'm always open to suggestions I think you're going to put doilies certainly during the international break I'm, I'm more than open to suggestions but we've, look we've discussed the midfield a lot on the pod but we've not probably done a, a deep dive if you like so so let's do as, as deep a dive as as this international break part will, will allow <laughs> and um, we'll start with let's start with the current and just think about what, what makes up the strongest midfield Liverpool could put out um, against Man City and then sort of take it back from there and have a look at, at what else um, has made up this midfield this season. So I'll put that on both of you. What What is the strongest midfield in your mind that they could put out next week against City? We say everyone's fit? No, or... no, just from the players that, like Gravenberch, let's say he's fit because we don't know he's definitely going to be fit, but but let's just say he is. Well, Sabotelay definitely starts. He's yeah. the first name on the list in that midfield. Um, Great international break for him, by the way. So scoring those two goals in a minute last night, sending them to Euros, and then drinking a shot of Palinka, which is foul, foul stuff. Should we do that on a Christmas night out? Uh, or do a shot of Palinka? No, no, because um, <laughs> I've been in a lot of trouble. But yeah, I mean, I've 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 drank Palinka, and it's awful. Have you ever had Palinka? I think I avoided it when I went at uh, Budapest yeah, in the summer. Yeah, yeah. I was on a stag doing Budapest. It's it's foul stuff. But yeah, well done to Bosley. Um, continue. Um, if Curtis Jones is fit. He starts for me as well. Like I know there's the argument you want to see McAllister in his preferred position further forward and we see the best of him, but we've not seen the best of him yet. Mm. He's probably still the number six. Whereas Curtis Jones, he offers you that work rate. Yeah. And he's just he covers so much and he's a bit more 
I don't want to say he's more conservative, but he seems to complement Sebastian really well. Liverpool's midfield yeah. seems to be an overall package there. It seems to be better balanced. And while it's great to see Graven Birch drop his shoulder and beat three men, you've had your issues with that. There's where's the substance to it? Whereas Jones is a bit more the finished article. He's got that confidence and that aura about him now. Um, and, uh, just to interrupt, I don't, I don't think he's the finished article. But I think you're right. I think he's tactically better at the moment than Graven Birch. And that's brilliant you know, for the press. Yeah, brilliant for the press and brilliant for being an outlet on the left. That that you know, the West Ham game I think was it was a was a game where I really noticed the way he showed for the ball, the way he held it up, the way he moves it off. It doesn't do anything really flashy but but brings greater balance to Liverpool's midfield. And I think at City Look, it's going to be really difficult. I don't think you should judge anyone on the back of City, but but I think you need that balance, don't you? And, and that's where I like Gravenberg. I think he's got a lot of potential, but I think some of the dribbles and stuff like that don't help you tactically again against the City. But sorry, to continue. So yeah, I think those the number eight. There is no debate there at mm. all. You know who's your strongest options. You know who you want to see there, but there's still that big gaping hole of who on earth plays as number six. I think Gorsty's planning a piece on this today as well, actually. So if you don't want to just listen to us, you can read whatever he says yeah. later on. But McAllister, I'm not convinced by him playing yeah. as a number six. I know all the rack records and stats this year saying, oh, he's great at winning the ball back, but he just looks a bit slow. And it's yeah. like in preseason, you know, I think it was Bayern when they were putting everyone on Jones and it fell apart. City will do that to McAllister as a number yeah. six, yeah. but City will also do that to Endo if he's yeah. playing there. Like he's more of a, a number six, but he's still... A little bit slow, he's a little bit rash, we've seen that in tackles. And then the only other option you've got is Trent. And if you play Trent there, which could make sense against City, because you can then have a more defensive, conservative option with Joe Gomez at right back. It's just, you think if they wanted to do that, it's something they would have tried in the past. So I'd expect it to be McAllister, and you're just hoping he doesn't get torn apart. He can actually step up and really make the position his own show why Klopp has got faith in him there. But I believe he's had another... He's like the one Liverpool player who's had a difficult international break. Yeah. I think he was subbed at half-time or something like that, and yeah. Argentina's lost to Uruguay playing at the number six. Something for him is not clicking at the moment. And it's something we've pointed out in the summer. We're pointing out now. We'll point out in January. We'll point out next summer. Fabinho wasn't at his best last year, but at least he was this established holding midfielder. It's something Liverpool still lack. Kiva? Yeah, lots of fun there. Um, I, I think... I agree with everything Theo said, but I, I think Klopp might throw a curveball on, on Southend. I've actually suspected it for a while, especially in the kind of the, the big six games away from home. I think he'll go for a 4 2 3 1. I think he'll just go blow for blow with City. I, I just don't think Liverpool have enough to sit off and kind of allow City to come on them because, you know, whoever's playing, yeah. they'll, they'll kill you to death with, with passing. Um, so I think that it'll be, I think he'll do Jones and Sabah's laser two and then the four lads up front. And obviously, yeah, I think, so. yeah, I think yeah. so. And a reason offensive out. Is, we did it a few years ago during the COVID year, didn't he? That was yeah, like the best 45 minutes yeah, of football yeah, ever, wasn't it? And, and it could have been like 3 1 at you know, yeah, half time. Yeah. I think it finished 1 1 or 2 2 that yeah. game. But I, that was the one or wasn't it? it Salah got penalty, was penalty, it? Yeah. And then the second half just. They were um, but I think he did that at Wolves into the um, the game where McAllister struggled after playing in Bolivia. Yeah, yeah and he that's went true. to York to suppose Lion Jones and as the everything Theo just said about Jones there in terms of just having more control and I think he's realised this season and as well the back in the last year, I think he's realised less is more, you know, certain situations of we know a player was coming through the ranks, but you know, to be you're never gonna be that main man at Liverpool unless you are, you know, one of the best players in the world and, and Jones isn't, but he's a, a really good cog and I think you know, cogs make winning teams and you know with, with Jones now um, especially ball retention that's going to be important against City keeping the ball you know if, if, if they don't have the ball they're not going to score yeah. you know, it's, it's very simple so 
not that not that I expect Liverpool to outdo him in terms of possession, but I just think when they do get the ball, they have to pick the pass and pick the right moment and look at when to, to kind of go for that killer ball. And I just think, again, if, if they go for the four, I think Salah might be be the nine, maybe we could be on the right. But I think Gakpo will probably be a ten. You know, might sit on Rodri, just kind of limit that kind of passing lane. And Rodri's a doubt though, isn't he? He, he played yesterday. Yeah, play yeah so he played eighty six for Spain. Oh, so another play. suspect injury that will be fine come the weekend. Yeah. So he yeah. played against George, so he'll probably play. But I just think you know, physicality at a place like that, uh, the Etihad will, will count for a lot. So yeah. it's a, a curveball, but he's, he's shown that he's. I just think Liverpool. It's, it's a risk, and, and they could lose four or five nil to the back. But I just think Klopp would rather go out swinging than than sit back. And yeah, it's... Uh, I, I I sort of take your point, and I, and I think I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't know whether I'd play Jones there. I, I think I can't see Klopp doing this. I, I think there is a point where I'd like to see him give Trent a try, yeah. Yeah. and I think Trent in a two. It makes more sense than just playing him there in a one at the moment. Yeah, you know, I think I think he will probably do that if Robertson's fit, but I think he'll do Gomez yeah. at left back. I think then he, he just yeah, has to do trend yeah. purely to, to get one of the wingers going yeah, forward, uh, one of the fullbacks going forward. Yeah. Um, and then I think, oh, I mean, Jones, you know, probably a bit better further forward, isn't he? But I just think McAllister struggled this year. And I think against, you know, teams at home, he, he was brilliant against Forrest McAllister the, the other week yeah. in low six. But I think that's when he's almost at there's another eight and, you, you know, you're breaking down a low block. I think that's that's fine. And, and Liverpool will get by and, you know, they'll be expected to beat Nottingham Forest and Brentford yeah. and West Ham at home. I think it's when you know the, the titles won and lost when you know it is get to April and you've got to go to Old Trafford or yeah. you've got to go to, to Goodison Park or something like that and you've maybe got to make a statement. You've got to you know win your last eight games to, to go for the title. I think that's when you know and 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 to be fair with this one, I know City are a place ahead, but I don't think it's too detrimental to Liverpool lose this one. You know, you, you obviously don't want them to, but it's no, what are you aiming for a title challenge or top four? I think they've, they've got they've got to have eyes on the title at the minute. I think they've started so well, um, but I, I I don't think you can kind of I don't think it would be the right thing to say that we're, we're only in a top four race now I think you know maybe in January if it you know you think of 16-17 when it fizzled out in January or February and they lost ground and you can maybe take it as a successful season getting back into Europe I just think at the minute I don't think City are 100% there I think they look vulnerable against Chelsea especially you know on, on the break where they you know Chelsea in transition absolutely killed them I thought and you know even just like City to concede a penalty in the 94th minute I just love someone like City yeah, uh, so I do think they are there for the taking this year their squad's obviously a bit small a lot of people have gone from obviously having won the treble I think if they were holding on to the likes of Laporte just for kind of everyone's kind of staying just around to win the Champions League it felt like um, they've obviously struggled with injuries as, as Laporte know that that can kind of kill a season off so I just think if you're saying now oh, we're only in it for the top four, just it's a bit counterproductive. I, I don't think you go into the season ever going, uh, you know, I think you go after the title as long as you can go after the title. Yeah, 100%. And then you just readjust when, when you can't. And I think Liverpool have given themselves the basis to go after the title. And, and City, you know, I, I agree with Kiefer. And, you know, I still fully expect City to get their house in order and win the last 20 games <laughs> or whatever it is that they do and, and, and just win the league. But... There is there has been elements of them this year, and they some, to be fair they often do this in the first half of the season. But you know they they, got, they seem to be they seem to be conceding goals, they seem to be just losing like that. That did feel unlike City. Mm. As soon as they went to lunge in, to lunge in in the yeah, night, someone yeah. like Ruben Diaz. Yeah, like, it just was just like you captain doing that. Just... Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I think I still expect City to get the house in order. I still think that they're, they're by far the best football team in the league, but. But I think for Liverpool, you just go after it, don't you? Yeah, you I think I think you know if you look at your league winners this year, it's probably 
you know, 90 absolute max. I, I don't think it's going to be 97, 98 as we've yeah. seen in previous years. I think you know, if you get 90, you, you've got two hands on the title probably. Yeah. I think you could even probably see that 86, 87 win here this year because I think the, the, the quality at the top of the league is better than it, than it has been in recent years. Yeah. I think what makes the midfield battle even more important here is how well Van Dyke's playing. Like yeah. Van Dyke, Canate, Matt's brothers next to him have a really, really good game. Even Gomez, because we saw him do amazing against City at Anfield last year. You keep Haaland quiet. And if you keep Haaland quiet, City are essentially playing with 10 men. Like We know he's not involved in that build-up play. So you can take that out. That's a man advantage if you're on top of your game. So if you then win in the midfield battle, you're the ones who are dictating play. Like City's midfield is very good at being in possession and just blitzing sides. But if you get your bodies in there, and that's why Curtis Jones and Sabosley could be so important, when they are overrunning them, you can turn the tide your way. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about change of formation. And on a one hand, I agree with you. I think it would. I think it would be good. You know, but you said Klopp would go out swinging, but that's where I think Klopp. We don't often see him change style or system, and I often think that's because he backs his players. Yeah, and he will back McAllister in that role, or he'll yeah. back Endo in that role, and 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 that. Really, you know, I, I'd, I'd worry if he backs Endo or McAllister in this role. Against, I don't think he can play Endo. I, I think that's a, a non-starter. No, but no. I think I do agree with you. I mean, he came out a few weeks ago and kind of said, you know, this is what we're working for. It wasn't a short-term thing. Yeah. You know, McAllister is the man for the season. And I think then to say that in public and then if you dropped him for yeah. you know, arguably your biggest game of the season, that's, you know, yeah. that's quite a, a statement to McAllister, isn't it? But I don't know. I just certainly, I, I, may, I don't know whether he'll, he'll go through with it, but I, I just feel like 43 1, that could be the best way for the ball to go because then with Gapo, you've got yeah. someone who can drop in and you've almost got a you know a variation of the 4 3 3 there and yeah. you've got the stability. Yeah. You know, Gapo has played midfield already this season. I know it hasn't, he hasn't been great when he's played there, but you know, he, he played there last week against Brentford as well. So I think he's certainly got options. It's, you know, he's. To, to coin a phrase that you don't like, he's got a Swiss Army now for players at his disposal. But... I don't dislike the, the phrase, I just think nobody has a Swiss Army. It's the, the most, it's the most well, yeah, people, it's the most useful I didn't buy it. Thing, well, you know, it, it's the most useless, useful thing that there is, isn't it? Nobody, even, yeah, it's even the Swiss, but it's a great saying. Army, yeah. I don't think I've used it yet, to be fair. Does the Swiss Army give out those knives when they, when they sign up? Aren't they just a neutral? Well, exactly. Do they even have an army? Don't know. Swiss answer it. But um, midfield, Embo. Let's talk Embo. Um, you said you don't think Klopp will trust him in that game. I don't think Klopp will trust him in that game. Um, don't think Klopp will trust him in many games, at? to be yeah. honest. Where do you think Endo's at you know, at the moment? Do you think it's still a case of adjusting? Do you think it's a case of him not really being up to scratch at Liverpool? Do you think, do you think it's going to be like a one season done for him? Where, where do you see him at the moment? I see him like a Ragnar Clavin. Yeah. You've come in, you're going to be an experienced squad player. You can do a job, but we don't really want to turn to you as first choice. Yeah. Like The fact that they have gone for someone who's that bit older, that is what Clavin was when they signed him at centre-back. Uh, you want them to have Besetic back to his best and making that position his own. But I've said on podcasts before, he's still, what, 19? He's yeah. still a boy. His, yeah. his body is not ready yet to be starting there. You can still very well not blocking his pathway. But if we're taking Jones as an example, it's going to take three or four years before he can make that position his own. So you still need someone else there to fill in the gaps. And it does seem like McAllister's the way they want to go. Yeah. I know you said before, maybe Thiago would have been if Thiago had been fit. I think if he'd have been fit. But then we've not seen Thiago since yeah. April. We've not started a game since February. His missus has got pregnant and had the, um, the baby since the last time. <laughs> 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 That's how long he's been out for. Yeah, yeah. It's rather yeah. surreal. Um, and then, though, he's had good games against the lesser opposition like he at least wants to get the ball back bring it forward but then there are other times where 
he's just that little bit slow to it where he's considered yeah. a silly foul like he was a bit lucky not to be sent off against Toulouse yeah. I think there was suggestions he could have maybe got his marching orders at the weekend too against Brentford even though the first yeah. the other card was obviously ridiculous you, think you can't be that second off it maybe it takes time like you can look to Fabinho Oxley Chamberlain Robertson how it does take time and then you get a run in the side and it suddenly clicks and maybe it will take him a little bit longer because it's not as though like say Fabinho is the example Fabinho had been at Real Madrid he trained with their Galacticos he yeah. played like once for the first team he'd been at a good Monaco side whereas Endo has been He's in a side well, he was younger yeah. whereas Endo has spent his whole career pretty much in Europe in Germany yeah. a side that was in the second division then fighting against yeah. relegation like in that side he was playing at like Nat Phillips and stuff like this and we're not saying oh Nat Phillips can be a first choice centre back for Liverpool it is a different level and while Klopp can say, oh, he's really good, he's so underrated, like everyone in Germany raves about him. Every Everyone in Germany raved about Naby Keita. And that didn't quite but click it, for Liverpool as well. And no, that's I'd say he's a level above. With Endo, he just seems, he's a squad player. I don't see a player there who's going to be first choice for Liverpool. He's not just bridging the gap until they can pass the battle on to Besetic. He's just an extra body who can do a job for a couple of years and then they'll move him on. I think Klopp raves about him, but ultimately... He can say nice things. I'm in the fresh, but we know that when this come come down to games, he's not really played in this season, and he he is the only real recognised number six in the squad, and they haven't played him. So I think that tells you all you need to know. Uh, moving on to Grabenberch, Kiefer, what have you made of Grabenberch's start? Where do you see him? My my question with Grabenberch is where does he fit in in the future? You know, right now I think he's still finding his way, but where do you see him in that midfield? Probably on the left, and it's it's quite weird, isn't it? Because I think for for so for so, for so much of last season we were crying out for you know a left side. Well, so many positions in midfield, but the left side of one was one people said, oh, they haven't had someone since Gio and Aldum, and then you know Curtis Jones kind of returns from injury and strings together you know 10, 10 or so games, whatever, and he starts the season really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do like Graham Birch. I think he's a, a different player to, to, to Jones. I think. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I think Jones has clearly been moulded into a kind of a perfect clock cog in terms of, you know, as Theo said earlier, his pressing is really good and his ball retention is really good. He's he's kind of the opposite of the, of the player that came through. That was quite fun boy. And he's, you know, yeah. kind of mellowed, hasn't he? And yeah. as I said, realises that less is more. But I think as as, as Graven Birch now, he's um, he's a bit more, he can carry the ball. So I, I, it's, it's difficult because we've not seen a great deal of him but from what I've seen and I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago on the pod that he, he does remind me of like Wayne Alden but not the Liverpool Wayne Alden that we saw but you know what you'd see on yeah. you know Holland where he was kind of box to box and carry the ball but I think you know there's been a few times where his decision making has let him down you know when he yeah. kind of gets to the final third gets a bit too excited but that will come I mean you know he's still young he's, he's I'd say he was at Ajax but even at Bayern he didn't play that much so he wouldn't have had that experience of like a you know the pressures of a big big club um, and, and that'll come with time but I think the early signs of what we've seen you know he can get a goal he, can, he sh- should have had one at Brighton yeah. as well um, but he can also defend and put in a tackle the thing I really liked about him uh, with the Everton game was um, just receiving the ball kind of wherever it was whether it was his back to goal on the byline up in the air whatever he was really calm and composed and, got a nice turn on yeah, and, and yeah. once he kind of he showed a clean pair of heels just to get away from anyone and I think that was yeah. something that Liverpool had been missing because for like last season especially you know an aging Jordan Henderson and an aging Fabinho as well you know James Milner all those kind of players they didn't really have someone who could kind of you know burst through and break the press or whatever but he's shown that he, he can do that so you know if you look in, in, in the short term I'd, I'd probably say you know Kurt Schoen just still your man for that shirt and I'd expect him if he's fit to start on Saturday but in, in you know in the, the long term the, the, well, the medium to long term the next you know two, three, four, five years I think Gravenberch could, could really be a player that could you know cement a, do kind of a similar role to what Wayne Arden did Yeah I think you can say, see why the coaching staff would be so excited to, to work with them yeah. and try and 
and try and get him to, to move up levels because he's just got so many different... He's a proper Dutch player, yeah, isn't he, in terms yeah. of he could, you could probably drop him into any Liverpool side and he'd, he'd find a role, whether yeah. it be 6, 8, 10. He's, he's brilliant, isn't he? And I just think... I feel that for a few years, Liverpool flats big players, you know, in terms of stature, they've yeah. got Gakpo, they've, obviously they've got Van Dijk at the back, but, you know, Graham Merch is a big lad as well, doesn't get, yeah. doesn't get thrown around, doesn't get bullied, can hold his own, so... It reminds you know, me like of Yaya Torre, and that, yeah. he was a linchpin for that City side, and, you know, being so powerful, so good yeah. on the ball, being able to make a difference at both ends, and it took him time to get to that level, like when he first came to England, he thought of him more as a holding midfielder, yeah. but obviously he had those abilities, and I think Graham Merch is still very early in his, yeah. his journey, so you're waiting for him to get to those peak years where he can be that overall package and do it in both ends because he is unstoppable when he's got the ball at his feet and running forward now when it goes for him. So you know the ingredients are there. You're just waiting for him to be at that stage where he can put it all together. Yeah, he's got great potential. Just from what we've seen in the season, I'm so surprised that Bayern yeah. decided to give up on him so quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. what's the point in signing someone so young if you're not willing to give them at least a couple of years and a little bit of game time. I mean, Even sure, alone you know, to get more yeah. money for the back of themselves. And you would surely think a team like Bayern, who, I mean, I know they did get pushed a bit last season with the league, but what with the trophies they expect to win, mm. would be able to, to provide game time for them. But, um, I think that's because of the changes behind game. the scenes. Like we saw it, Liverpool 14-15, where you bring in all those new signings, yeah. younger players like Markovic, and then yeah. they gave up on him pretty quickly. Yeah. It's changes behind the scenes, a change of manager, yeah, yeah. and it, like Bayern did get rid of some big bosses yeah, over yeah. last season. It wasn't a good year for him. Change of manager as well. He was just a player they were happy to sacrifice that maybe would have had a chance in the previous regime in a good year for Bayern Munich. But their loss is Liverpool's game. Yeah. I suppose the, the thing is as well from a, from a clock point of view is that you know if you compare his situation with with Endo's and you, you look at the games Endo's been thrown into, but Gravenberg pretty much you know straight away was thrown into Premier League games. It obviously shows that clock from a tactical point of view you know we know how hard it is to play in a clock midfield how demanding it is he clearly trusts Graham Birch and he's, he's what 21 21 years old you're going to have that trust already you know I think he's you know he's only played 12 games in all competitions but the fact that you know he starts a Merseyside derby you know he's starting big yeah. games I mean again you won't be surprised if he started on, on, on Saturday at City it kind of just shows that you know it doesn't it doesn't matter how many games he's played in his career, you know, yeah, okay, he didn't play that much at Bayern Munich, but clearly there's, there's something there that Klopp is, is really buying into. I mean, he, he was a big fixture for Ajax as well, as he's, and he played in some some huge fixtures for them. Can we finish off with a, a quick chat about about Harvey Elliott, Theo? I mean, he's somebody who feels like a very ex- experienced young player, doesn't he? He's, he's played a lot of games for Liverpool already. He's played a lot of games in different positions. Where do you see his long-term future at Liverpool in terms of positionally? Um, because I'll, I'll talk about my own thoughts, but I've got some doubts as to where. Yeah, you've written play. off a couple of times, haven't you? I'm, I'm not written them off. I'm not written <laughs> off. I'm not, I'm not Theo Squire, so don't write people off. But I do think, I think with Elliot, my worry for him is physically to play in a clock midfield. You have to be quite physical. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people say, well, he could be, be like I say, take David Silva style player for Liverpool. But, but I think to do that, you have to be. And this isn't knocking Elliot, but you have to be the absolute in the top tier of footballers on the planet. And I don't think Elliot is quite there. Whether he gets there, I, I really hope he does. Um, I think he's been a good impact player for Liverpool and he's quite good when they need a quite sl- slight change of style. But long term, I just wonder where his position is because I don't see him playing in the front three because I don't think he's quick enough. And I don't see him becoming a fixture in midfield because I don't think he's physical enough. So where does he feature? Um, I don't think we need to make that decision on him yet. Like, when he came at 16, you're probably thinking he might grow a bit. But then he, he hasn't, but he's still got time to 
bulk out. Like, Curtis Jones a year ago was still bulk out anymore though, is he? I mean, is it... well, Curtis Jones is beefier this year than he was eighteen months ago. Mm. Like he's hit, got to twenty two, and he's now oh, you, you can properly be in a, a men's midfield now. Whereas Harvey Elliott is still only I think twenty, maybe twenty one. He's still that bit younger, and there's more pressure on him because he came through that much earlier. Like he was at one point the youngest player in Premier League history. We've seen a lot of him, but he's obviously a very talented player. Oh, he's got brilliant talent, and like for England on twenty ones. He's playing both positions. He can be a number 10, he can be a number 8, he can be on the right wing. At Liverpool, you want him to be doing more in the final third, whether it's more goals, more assists. Obviously, he set up Diaz against Luton. Yeah. But when he's getting the starts for the 21s, he is returning that. You're just waiting for him to make those next steps. And I'm not concerned about him because I look at how Jones developed in those mm. two years. And I think he's similar sort of style and quality that he showed at the, the younger level where there's obviously a really talented player there. You're waiting for him to make the steps. What the concern is when you, you sign him, you look at Henderson's getting older, Fabinho's getting older, Thiago's getting older. There is an easy pathway from into that team when it is time to pass on the baton. Now they've just spent 150 million on a new midfield. There isn't that pathway for him. Like it's a challenge for Jones to come in and stamp down his place. Jones is going to have to get the very best of his game to make that position his own. With Elliot, you're up against the boss line now. Sabosla is elite from what we've seen. And that, that's the problem. I thought Elliot, and I don't know what you think, Keeper, but I thought he was at his best sort of early in the 2021 season. 21 injury, yeah. yeah. You know, when they played Burnley, I remember at Anfield, very, very good, um, linking up with Salah. Yeah. But like you've just said, Sabosla has come in. He's now played in that position. So where does Elliot fit? What, what do you think? I'm not sure. I've had, it's, I was on a discussion with someone the other day, and it's kind of mentioned Mason Mount in terms of. You don't want to become one of those players where his versatility kills him, yeah. where he gets to like 25, 26, and it's like, oh, what position does he play? You yeah. know, and he's kind of like, who wants him? Um, I think that's the other thing. It's not something you worry about for the meantime because he's delivering on the pitch for Liverpool, mm-hmm. and whether that be, you know, something he wants to do long term, who knows? But, you know, he's producing the goods. He's, he's made an impact this season. And even though he's, he's he's played, well, he's certainly already had less starts than he would have had at this stage last season, he's probably had a bigger impact than we'd all say. Yeah, in fewer yeah. In fewer games. Um, but as, as you say, Joe, I don't think he's quick enough to play on the wing. Um, and I, I don't think he's big enough or. I don't think he's got that technical kind of nous either to play in midfield, and it goes back to what you said about David Silva. You know, he doesn't have to be David Silva, but you know, it's a kind of receivable on the half turn. I mean, Trent has struggled with it. You know, they, they clearly thought Trent won't be able to play midfield. You know, when they kind of revised his plan into the first team to receive the ball on the half turn and and you know pick forty or pass that, you've got to be you know one of the best players about. And I, I don't think he's at that category in the Premier League I, I certainly don't think at Liverpool you know you're looking at Sabazlai who's got a stature in or I, I don't think Elliot has that yet um, and it's difficult isn't it to judge him because he's only played what two and a half seasons on in this midfield role you say it was the start of the 21-22 season when, mm-hmm. when he come back from Blackburn and then they put him in that midfield role and it feels like now he's he's kind of got to a, a certain point I, I feel like he needs a refresh of some kind of soul I know he's as I said returning the goods but I, I just feel like I you know, does it go stale? Is he going to be satisfied, you know, coming off the bench, you know, playing 50 minutes there, playing 50 minutes there, starting Europa League games? I, I think he needs to to kind of, I don't know how Liverpool do it. I don't know if it's a change in formation. I don't know if it's, you know, the same kind of thing as we see with Fabio Carvalho. But he seems to be better at affecting games when he comes off the bench. Yeah. And, you know, that's great. But when he's getting starts, he's, he's not making that same difference. And I don't know if that's a positional thing or, or what. age so They'll come out with third time. Like, I wouldn't bet against him because... His attitude is super. Oh, yeah. Like, he's got one of the best attitudes in that squad. Yeah, he's just yeah. so enthusiastic. When he comes on, 
he wants the ball. Like he's hunting it. He's another one who's schooled in Klopp's way of playing yeah. and pressing and getting it back. But he is smart when he's on the ball, whether he's linking mm-hmm. up with Salah, making yeah. the runs, getting those crosses or the, those killer through balls in. Not everything works, but he wants to try. I, yeah. The attitude is all there for him Absolutely. to be what he wants to be. And it will take time, but they're still trying to figure it out. And that's fine when you're that young. He can be this squad player that is good enough to start if you need him to start, but he can come off the bench and make an impact. He can start games when you absolutely need him to. Like, they're going to lose Salah to AFCON in January, February. Elliot probably play on the right there. And he, like you think when Oxlade-Chamberlain was doing it, it wasn't an ideal role for him, but he still came in and got you a few goals. Elliot can do that role. He will get you a few goals and he can make that sort of difference. He is where he needs to be at this stage of his career. If you get to 23, 24 and he's still doing the same thing, maybe that's when you yeah. need to have a conversation. I just think with, with Elliot, I think there's a cycle where, you know, he, he doesn't start games, you know, so far as I whoever, then he, he comes off the bench, makes an impact, then he gets a start in, say, the Copa or the Europe League or whatever, and he doesn't make an impact, then he's back on the bench, and then he comes on and makes an impact. It's like, well, you've got to break that that, that chain of events somehow. I know the profit in Liverpool, but he'll want to be starting and nothing at all for Premier League games. So just how do you, you know, break that? How do you get him contributing on a regular basis and make him good enough and ready enough to kind of in the Premier League? And how many midfielders, I was going to say, how many midfielders in Klopp's era can you say, Yep, they are first choice. They are the ones who are going to start every single week. It's Fabinho. All the others, there's a little bit of rotation there. Yeah, that, that, that's what I was going to say. Is, is this probably the, the point in the whole of this midfield discussion? You know, I, I think again about City when we talk about they've got a small squad, but Pep, Pep Guardiola is known for making so many changes and he's got his squad to a place where, you know, Jack Grealish is, 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 was had a brilliant season last year, but often rotates out the yeah. team, and they don't really bat an eyelid. They just bring someone else in and they play, and and everyone as well in that squad. And I think Liverpool need to get to the same place. And I think it's held them back in years gone by. I've talked before about you know when they were up against Man United, wanting every player to start every week, and if they didn't, they sell sold them. They need to get to a place where that's okay. You know, being a part of Liverpool's yeah. squad is as good as going to. Tottenham start every single game every every week, uh, and I think Alvielek can play a role in that. You know, that, that, that's where I could see see him being really shining for Liverpool if he's rotating out the team and playing against at home when you need to open a team up. Now, there's a difference between Oxlade Chamberlain when you're on the fringes, you're not going to get a game unless there's a massive injury crisis, or being a squad player like yeah. Elliot, like Jones on the grass, yeah. where you come yeah. in, in and out. There's only Salah, Virgil. Alistair and Trent who you think yes every single week you were starting because even yeah. Robertson gets rotated a little bit the centre-backs do yeah, the, the other forwards do, do. Yeah. and when you're as good as a Diaz a Gakpo yeah. and you don't know you're starting every week it's not a big crime to no, weirdly we accept it more with the forwards though don't we and it's, it's, it seems to be maybe football a positional thing where you accept it because yeah. you yeah. kind of build from yeah. the back and it's yeah. like you've got to have your, your linchpins on the side but yeah. I do think as you said I think they, they got it spot on a few years ago didn't they go over the quadruple it just felt like there was a really nice balance about yeah. the place and if people got taken out you know, the League Cup semi-final was viewed as important as a yeah. Premier League game on a Saturday and, and, and maybe that's not that rhythm hasn't found they haven't found it in this season because in the Europa League and obviously yeah. you know you can't say the Europa League is important as the Premier League and there's a lot of change yeah. in the Europa League but you know if they're if, if, if they in the Champions League this year and Elliot was starting those games well, you won't bat an eyelid would no, you? No. I think it's just maybe we're, we're looking at this in a cynical way because it is the Europa League or it is the early rounds of the League Cup but you know I think Linda's mentioned it a few months ago and I think Jota has said something as well that essentially you know when they were going for the quadruple being in all those competitions FA Cup, League Cup you know Champions League as it was then it really did help them because you know if you weren't playing you know on a Sunday or a Saturday you knew you were playing on, on the Tuesday yeah. in the Champions League quarterfinal so I think if they can return to that next year 
and then they got, we're having the same conversation. I think it holds more weight of, you know, there's a, that's a healthy problem for Liverpool, but I suppose it's just at the minute when it's like Prem, Europa League, Premier League kind yeah. of thing. And it's like, it's natural to have a first choice and a second choice at Liverpool. Absolutely. We will leave it there. We'll be back on Friday to um, discuss that Man City game um, and then get out of this international break, which I can't wait for. Gents, yeah, thanks very much. See you on Friday. Ta- You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 